that uh, the Chargers are in it. I can't seem to remember uh, the other team that's in it right now, actually, off the top of my head. Um, however, I would encourage you to be here and be a part of it because it's kind of a special year for this, or so I've been told. Um, but I did want to say that, uh, yeah, we, we get to watch the game and, and, and all that, and it's a lot of fun, just kind of hang out. It breaks up the winter. That's why we do it. Um, if you, if you want to make a chili, I don't know. We usually have 14 or 15 pots of chili, different people making chili, and we have some fun little competition with that. Um, see whose chili is the most popular. Um, I don't know. It's fun. If you want to make some chili, go for it. If you don't want to, show up anyway, please. We're going to watch the game. We're going to play some board games. You know, just, just have a time of fun, fellowship. <coughs> you can also, though, <coughs> if you don't want to make chili, you can make some pie. You can make dessert. Uh, we need a lot of that, too. Uh, the only thing, uh, you know, that's, that's better than dessert is more dessert. And so if you want to make some of that and be here. It's next Sunday, 6 o'clock. Um, sometimes I get into the bad habit of, of thinking that everybody just knows about this stuff all the time, and sometimes people don't. So next Sunday, 6 o'clock, bring some chili if you want to, bring some pie if you want to, and if you don't want to bring either one, show up anyway and uh, have some fun and watch the game and eat with us, okay? I encourage you to do that. So, how was it? Hmm? How was this week? Huh? One's laughing either because it was good or bad. I don't know. I'm not going to ask. Unless you want to have a time of testimony and confession in front of everyone. No? All right. Awful. Awful. I should have framed my question a little better. Did you have a chance to serve? Hmm? That's what we've been talking about, right? Serving Christ. Serving Christ in His kingdom. Did you have a chance to serve Jesus this week? Here's the question. Were you looking? Were you looking? Way to serve Christ. Opportunity to serve Christ. Usually by serving others. That's usually the way that plays out. So how was your week? How was your... Not Ayla. I'm not talking to you. I'm just going to talk to the rest of them, okay? So you just, you just hang out right there, okay? From here on out, every question I have, I'm just asking them, okay? So how was your week? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The question I have for you and the question that I've been wrestling with is, am I poor in spirit? Are you poor in spirit? You see, because that's really at the crux of everything we've talked about up to this point. Am I fit to serve? Do I want to serve? Serve the kingdom of Christ. Yes, inside these four walls. That's perfectly fine. Nothing wrong with that. Pursue that as well. But in your life and in this grander and broader kingdom, do I want to dedicate my life to serving Jesus Christ? Can I? Should I? And it all hinges upon this question, am I poor in spirit? 
Once again, you might want to identify, you might start thinking about how I can serve, where I want to serve, who I want to talk to, what I want to do. And as we've talked about up the leading up to this point, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. One question at a time. See, this is, again, one of our problems. I want to serve Jesus. Okay, what do I want to do? Forget what. Let's ask these questions. Am I prepared to serve? Am I poor in spirit? Do I look at my life and realize that I am nothing without Christ? Do I look at my, my, my hope? Do I look at my plans? Do I look at my future? Do I look at, at my strengths and weaknesses? Do I look at what I can provide and what I can do? Do I look at my perfection, lack of perfection, failings, victories? Do I look at all these things and say to myself, I am nothing without Jesus? That's what poor in spirit means. I mean, that's a really long definition of what poor in spirit means, but that's what poor in spirit means. Am I poor in spirit? It's the opposite of arrogant. It's the opposite of prideful. It's the opposite of blind. You see. You see your own life. You see your own heart. You see your own mind. It's the opposite of being clouded with frustration and anger. It's the opposite of selfishness. To be poor in spirit realizes that I'm nothing without Jesus and what He's done for me. After all, that's the purpose. The purpose is to be living sacrifices to Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Once again, Father, we ask that we will be accurate to your word, that you will challenge us today, but that you will also work upon our hearts, help us to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to ask the same question next week. I want you to have an answer. You might have an answer today, but you might not, right? Someone asks, how was your service in the kingdom last week? If you don't have an answer, that's fine. But imagine if you didn't have an answer next week, and a week after that, and a week after that, and a week after that, and a week after that. What are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you here? How's your week? How's your service in the kingdom of Jesus Christ? So far, when we look at fit to serve, we've looked at being the right quality to meet the purpose. We've also realized that fit means to be put back into your proper place. That's what Jesus does for us. He puts us back into our proper place, the way we were built, what we were built for, to be around the Father's table, living eternally with Jesus Christ. He puts us back into that place. Now, I want another definition of fit. Actually, I don't think I have this one on the screen. You're just going to have to remember this or write it down. The third definition of fit, in good health, especially because of regular exercise. In good health especially because of regular exercise. I know what you're thinking. We probably should have gotten somebody else to deliver this message. I get it, all right? It happens. That's all right. I was breaking some ice yesterday. Sam and I were playing outside. I was breaking some ice. I said, buddy, I said, I'm breaking the ice. and falling through the water. He said, that's because your belly's too big, Dad. 
And I told him, I stood right there. I said, honestly, it's really not that big, buddy. He said, it is to me. All right. And clearly it is to the ice. Regular exercise, to be in good health because of regular exercise. So where do I serve? How do I serve? What capacity do I serve? Don't ask those questions yet. We have to answer these questions before. In order to know if I'm fit to serve, I must ask, am I prepared to serve? How is my spiritual health? How's your spiritual health? I got to tell you, my, my prayer this morning was for God to fill me because I felt very empty this morning. That was, that was my prayer time this morning. I noticed it. I felt it. I realized it. And I needed, I needed some spiritual health. There's a lot of things we want to do in life, but sometimes we have to do the hard stuff in order to get there. I mean the actual hard stuff. There's a million things that we, we want to do, we think about, we have our imaginations and so forth. There's probably a million areas of service and ministry in the church. But sometimes we've got to do the hard stuff in order to get there. I've told people all the time, people ask me all the time, and I tell them, writing and giving a sermon on Sunday morning, the easiest thing I do all week. Easiest thing I do. Point blank, it, it's not even close. The easiest thing I do all week is writing and delivering sermon. And sometimes people think, well, that's it, right? Easiest thing. Because there's a lot of hard stuff that leads up to that. There's a lot of hard stuff that goes on behind the scenes. The Bengals are going to the Super Bowl. And I think every athlete will tell you that the actual game is the easiest part. The actual game, the actual service that you're going to do is the easiest part. It's the fun part. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that goes into making the game successful. There's a lot of training. There's a lot of preparation. There's a lot of discipline, teaching, refining mistakes. If you've been a part of a team, there's a lot of getting yelled at, chastised, challenged, even experiencing failure in order to prepare ourselves for victory. And this is a crucial part of service in the kingdom that, frankly, I don't think we take seriously enough. And I think some people don't take it seriously at all. I want to serve. I want to teach. I want to go. I want to give. I want to do a million things. But I don't want to go through the hard stuff when it comes to my own spiritual condition, my own spiritual health. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul writes this. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it, says Paul, to get a crown that's going to last forever. Get this glory and this reward that's going to last forever. Therefore, says Paul, I don't run like someone running aimlessly. I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body, make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Listen to what he says. After I have preached to others, I won't be disqualified for the prize. Oh, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm serving the church. This is what Paul's saying. He's preaching, he's leading, he's establishing churches, he's saving people. And even he says, I've got to keep up on my spiritual condition while I'm doing this. I personally, says Paul, have to go into strict training while I'm serving. 
so that he won't be disqualified for the prize. Are you poor in spirit? See, this is Paul realizing he's poor in spirit. That's why he's able to do what he does. That's why he's able to serve in the way he does unto death. Because he's poor in spirit. He realized, i got to keep going through training. i got to stay in the training room with Jesus Christ as I'm going around the world establishing churches, writing part of Scripture. I need to keep training. Paul tells us that he goes through discipline in his own life, even in his service to the kingdom of Jesus. If we don't take our spiritual health seriously, even if we take our service seriously, we are like someone running aimlessly or a boxer beating the air. Oh, they're running, right? Service to the kingdom. They're in the ring, service to the kingdom. They're preaching sermons. But note what he says, I strike a blow to my body so that I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. And that's what we say sometimes. Where am I going to serve? What am I going to do? How am I going to do it? Let's stop preparing and just get in the game. That's what I want to do. I want to serve in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. I'll teach. Forget about my spiritual condition. Forget about my spiritual strength, my spiritual walk. I'll just teach. I'll prophesy. I'll go even further than that. I'll cast out demons. I'll move mountains. I'll literally perform miracles in the service to Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 7, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons, in your name perform miracles. Then I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Does Jesus know you? Do you know him? I don't care what you're doing. I don't care about the big Bible study you're leading. We'll get there. I don't care about the teaching you're doing. We'll get there. I don't care about re-roofing the building. I don't care about preaching and singing. Does Jesus know you? Do you know him? How's your spiritual condition? You want to serve the kingdom, that's good. Don't give up on that. But are you prepared? Have you counted the cost? And are you in the presence of Christ? You want to teach a class and preach, lead a song, great. Go on mission trips, have a Bible study with your coworkers, lead a friend to Jesus. All of these are noble, righteous pursuits in the kingdom. But remember, you have to consider, you have to think about, you have to focus on your spiritual health. But I don't want you to get too distracted. I don't want you to give up. Because it's not about your perfection. It's about Jesus' perfection and your pursuit of Jesus. It's about Jesus' perfection and your pursuit of Jesus. You know you're not perfect. I know I'm not perfect. That's never the point. That's never been the point. The point of the Christian walk is to see the one who is and say, I'm going after him. The pursuit of sanctification. Paul calls himself the chief of sinners. And I don't think he's just writing that for a shock factor. I think he's serious. And yet he pursues Jesus Christ in the training room. Matthew 7, continuing on, 24 and 25, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine 
and puts them into practice. That's just what Jesus says. Here's these words of mine, puts them into practice, building this spiritual life. He's like the wise man. Built his house on the rock. The rains came. The wind blew. The waters rose. And it didn't fall. Because I promise you, if you want to go into service to the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the rain's going to come. The wind's going to blow. I promise you, the water's going to rise if you give your life over to serving Jesus. And then you're going to have to fall back real fast on your spiritual strength. Real fast on your spiritual condition. Why do you think so many people quit? Why do you think so many people give up? Why do you think so many people, particularly today, because it's easy to recognize and see and get that kind of false word out, why do you think so many people give up on Christ? Or stop in their ministry? Or quit in their service? Because the storm comes, the winds blow, the waters rise, and their spiritual health, their spiritual condition is horrible. They don't live in the presence of Jesus. They don't live in the training room the way Paul does. But you're not alone if you want to go through spiritual exercise. You're not alone if you need to be built up to be spiritually fit. The disciples are a great example. The disciples were trained through regular exercise for three years with the physical Jesus Christ, the living Word. Jesus was going to leave, you know this. He was going to send the helper and send the disciples out on their own. But before that, while He was with them, He went on mission trips with them. He would go to different places, different towns. He'd travel for days And he'd bring the disciples with him. We're going to go on a mission trip together. And while we're doing this, you're going to be training. Your strength, your spiritual health is going to be built. And then after he would go on mission trips with them, then he would send them out. He'd stay home or stay at camp, and he'd send them out. Okay, let's strengthen a little bit longer. Now you go out on some mission trips by yourself. It was a continual exercise and training of their minds and their hearts. He sent out 12, and Matthew chapter 10, you can read through that that story. And they had this incredible trust, they had this incredible excitement and zeal for serving Jesus. And he sent them out on their own, and they were teaching, they were healing. They were driving out demons from people. It was pretty incredible. About eight months later, about eight months later, they're at the bottom of a, a mountain, a hill, a mountain. I mean, that's really what it is. Jesus is up on top with Peter, James, and John. You know this story, Mount of Transfiguration. While they're up there, the rest of the disciples are down at the bottom of the mountain. And a guy comes up to him and says, hey, help my son. My son is demon-possessed. I mean, bad things are happening to this guy. 
It's horrible stuff. He says, I need you disciples to help him. Unfortunately, the disciples can't do it. They can't heal him. They can't help him. They can't teach. They can't drive out anything. They can't do any of this stuff. A year before, they were. Now, they're not. A year before, they could. Now, they can't. There's a reason for that. Matthew chapter 17, Lord have mercy on my son. This is after Jesus gets down to the bottom of the mountain. The man goes over to Jesus. He says, Lord have mercy on my son. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire and into water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Verse 17, Jesus says, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? I really wanted Jesus to be talking to the crowd. I really did. And I looked. And I looked and I looked. And I studied and I studied and I read and I read. And every time I read, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talking to the ones who are in service to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Remember, I told you some chastisement once in a while. How long shall I put up with you, you unbelieving and perverse generation? Jesus goes on to say, bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. Verse 19, then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? This had nothing to do with a confidence thing. If you guys think faith and confidence is the same thing, we need to go over the difference between faith and confidence. Two different things. All right? If you think spiritual health is the same thing as confidence, you're wrong. Those are two different things. The disciples had confidence. In fact, they were re- it was really strange to them that they couldn't do this. It was really strange to them that after all of this service in the kingdom, here they come to another issue and another problem that they can't handle. And so they asked Jesus, why in the world? Couldn't we help this guy? Why in the world couldn't we drive it out? Jesus replied in verse 20, because you have so little faith. After years of being with Jesus, after going on their own mission trips and healing and driving out demons and teaching, after serving here in the kingdom of Jesus Christ for years, all of a sudden they can't do it anymore because their faith is so weak. Their spiritual condition is weakening over time, not strengthening. Now we go back to Paul, where Paul says, all the time I'm working on my spiritual health. All the time I'm working on my faith, my trust. All the time I'm in the presence of Jesus. All the time I'm talking to Him, praying to Him. All the time I'm challenging myself, and I'm studying, and I'm reading, and I'm meditating. Paul got it. You think you can sign up, as it were, for some area of service in Jesus' kingdom and just let it go with that? A year later, we get to this same place. Jesus, I'm going backwards. Jesus says, I know. I know you are. I'm getting weaker spiritually, not stronger. Jesus calls his disciples out on it. Says you have weak faith, guys. This was again only about a year after he sent out those same twelve disciples in Matthew ten to do this very thing, and they were able then to do that very thing. 
This is also recorded in Luke chapter 9. Here they are learning their lesson. You've not been exercising, says Jesus. You've been in my service, in my kingdom, and you haven't been exercising. You're not spiritually fit for this, he tells his disciples. Go through more continual exercise. Jesus then sends them back out in the very next chapter in Luke chapter 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was to go. He told them the harvest was plentiful, the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among the wolves. Jesus didn't stop there. He says, all right, guys, it's time to train again. I mean, clearly, it's time to train again. And so he sends them out again. How many times do we get in a role or in a place, and so we call it a role, sometimes it's called a rut, of service in the kingdom? Serving here, teaching there, having this title or position there. And what we don't realize is we're becoming spiritually weak, not stronger. We're just spending more time doing the same thing. Over and over and over, Jesus is building their faith, exercising their spiritual health. You know, Paul did the same thing before his ministry proper. He goes into seclusion. He goes into the Arabian desert before his ministry. He meets Jesus on the road to Damascus, but then goes out into the Arabian desert to go through spiritual exercise and training before going into his service to the kingdom. See, we keep asking the question, where am I going to serve? What am I going to do? What's my role? Are you there yet? Are you ready? Have you counted the cost? Are you spiritually prepared for the wind blowing and the seas rising? Who's the greatest example? Being fit. That is in good spiritual health because of exercise. Being fit to serve. Jesus himself. He goes to John. John baptizes him in the Jordan River. Immediately, the Spirit takes him on a training exercise. Luke chapter 4, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted, that is, tested by Satan. For 40 days. He ate nothing during those 40 days, and in classic understatement, at the end of them, he was hungry. 40 days, no food. He was a little peckish, right? Stomach was growling a little bit. Why? Why why did the Spirit lead him out into the wilderness? Why did the Spirit lead him out into the desert prior to starting his ministry? For For our case here, prior to starting his service to the kingdom. Why did he lead him out into the desert? It was time to go to training. Time to go to work. Time to do the hard stuff. You want to start this ministry? You want to teach those kids? You want, to, you want to preach that sermon? You want to, whatever. You want to start that Bible study at work? You want to do all these things? That's fine. That's great. Don't stop that. But you got to go through some training. You got to make sure you are spiritually fit. Because Satan will be attacking. Church. And if you're teaching a Bible study class... And Satan can attack you instead of attacking the four or five or ten people you're teaching. It's a lot easier to bring down the whole group, isn't it? Jesus went out to be tested by Satan because he needed to know his spiritual strength. 
He needed to be prepared. Why was he tempted? Why was he fasting? Why was he in solitude? Again, this is not just to tip off the, check off the temptation boxes. It's not so that he can turn around years later and say, see, I was tempted too one time three years ago. This is a continual temptation with Jesus. It's a continual testing with Jesus. Luke 4, 13. Now, in Matthew, it says, afterwards, Satan left him. But Luke 4, 13 says it even better. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time, which was tomorrow and the day after and the day after and the day after, being tempted, being tested, being tested every moment he woke up. You think, you think you go through testing? Jesus went through testing. If you're lost to Satan, that's a tragedy. If Jesus is lost to Satan, Satan wins. He goes through testing after testing, temptation after temptation, trial after trial, and knows he must have spiritual strength in order to do it. He was about to begin his ministry proper. The Spirit leads him out to go through serious spiritual exercise. Jesus needs to focus on his spiritual health to serve the kingdom. And it was ongoing throughout his ministry, just like Paul, Luke chapter 5, yet the news about him spread all the more. So that the crowds of the people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He needed to refill in the Spirit, says Scripture. Again, the very next chapter, Luke chapter 6. In those days, Jesus went out on the mountainside to pray and spent the night there praying to God. Why? Because he had a big decision to make the very next day as he called his disciples. If you want to go into service to the kingdom, do you really think you should do less than Jesus? Do you really think you need less than Jesus? If we think that, we are not poor in spirit. If you think that, you are not poor in spirit. Poor in spirit says, I'm walking into the enemy's camp and I am absolutely nothing without Jesus. But I'm everything with Jesus. That's what David tells us. What can man do to me? That's the hard stuff. This is the hard stuff. Help in the kitchen, fine. Teach a class, fine, good. Shovel the snow. Start a Bible study. Sing songs, preach a sermon. That's good. But this stuff, this is the hard stuff that leads to that. Can we do that? Can we get there? Yes, we can. We do the same thing Jesus does. First of all, as we look at him in the desert, what is he doing? He's going into solitude. Solitude. You can call it silence if you want. You can call it quiet if you want. Solitude, silence, quiet. He wanted to hear. He wanted to listen. I asked you how your service was last week, and then I asked you, were you looking? Were you listening? Were you focusing? Were you caring? You see, that's why Jesus went out in the wilderness. He had to listen. Church, I promise you, God never yells, okay? The Spirit never yells, always whispers, always. Because if the Spirit yells, it just gets mixed up with the rest of the noise of this world, doesn't it? And you got to stop, you got to focus, you got to listen, you got to ask. 
So Jesus goes into solitude. It's interesting. This is called a discipline. It's called a spiritual discipline. What else did he do out in the wilderness? He submitted to being tested. Well, it's not going right. Or I didn't have the same results that I thought I would. Or this is really, really difficult. Or I failed at that last time. Apparently, Jesus does not want me to serve. Jesus submitted to being tested. He knew that it was going to be difficult. He knew that there was going to be things he didn't like. He knew that there was going to be some struggle when he went out into the wilderness. And he knew that his father loved him. He submitted to being tested in his life, to be strengthened spiritually. What else did he do in the wilderness? He was fasting. Fasting. See, we don't even do this anymore. That's not even a part of our culture anymore. Start fasting. I haven't fasted in months. I haven't fasted since September. It, it ought to be a regular thing. What does fasting do? It simply does the same thing as doing with Jesus. It focuses everything of our lives on the whisper of Christ. To know that you can feed off of His words. To know that nothing else matters except that whisper of the Spirit in your life. Fast. Start small. But start fasting. If you're physically able to do it, I mean, don't, you know, go to a hospital and drop dead if you can't fast. All right, don't, don't do that. Well, the preacher told me I had to. Please don't do that. Okay? Fast. A day. A meal. But the other thing he was doing in the wilderness, because these two things go together by definition throughout Scripture, is pray. He fasted and prayed. If you fast without praying, all you're doing is torturing yourself. In fact, you're doing nothing. If you fast without praying, Jesus was in prayer and fasting. He was in solitude, listening to the whisper. He submitted to the testing of temptation. He didn't submit to the temptation. He submitted to the testing of God. He was in meditation, thinking about the Word of God. That's how he defeated this testing and this temptation. All of this to address the question, am I poor in spirit? You really want to know what it is to be fit to serve? To be poor in spirit. Poor in spirit, ironically, is strength of spirit. It's living together, side by side, with God the Spirit being led in different ways, in different challenges, in different directions. It's listening as He works upon your heart and your mind. It's facing the struggle, the trial, the testing, and the temptation. It's realizing that the wind's going to blow and the storm's going to come and the seas are going to rise and your house in your service will not be moved. That's spiritual strength. We're nothing without Christ. Your service is nothing without Christ. Your lives are nothing without Christ. But with Jesus, you are everything. Everything of importance, everything of value, everything you need to serve comes from Christ himself. Are you poor in spirit? Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again that we can address this type, that I can address it. 
that I can reflect upon these things in my own mind. And I ask that we all reflect upon these things as we, as we set aside some foolish strength that we have. We set aside arrogance. We set aside pride. And we come to the realization that we can and are and should be poor in spirit so that we can tackle anything in service to Jesus Christ. It's in His name we pray. Amen. Please stand and sing.
your cross as you wait for the crown. Tell the world of the treasure you found. Jesus is calling. Well, uh, have an answer next week, right? Not that you have to tell anybody, but in your own minds. Either had an opportunity or I was looking, I was listening. You know, we'll get to those, those specifics as we look at the different gifts that we've been given and the strengths that we have. But this week, you know, can I serve Jesus' kingdom? Where? How? Do I have that option, that opportunity as the Spirit speaks to me? Let's pray. Once again, Father, we thank you that you give us opportunity to pray. You give us opportunity to talk to you. You give us opportunity to worship you. We also thank you, Father, that you give us direction. That you care about our service. You care about your kingdom. Father, we know you don't need anything. And yet here you are. You want us to sacrifice for Christ. We know that that's for our benefit. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name.